0: Hello and welcome. Is your business your mission and your mission your business? If yes, you found your tribe. Whether you feel like it or not, you are avant-garde, going your own way, making your own path, doing it like no one has done before. And the answers to the challenges you're facing aren't in a book. My friend, you are not alone. This is the Avant-Garde Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Trisha Bailey, a mission minded serial entrepreneur and traveler. My purpose on this earth is to use my authenticity and passion to equip and empower social entrepreneurs to live in their highest calling, feeling freedom, fulfillment, and security, and inspiring others to do the same. Join me for stories, tips, and tricks for taking avant garde inspired action in your business so that you feel encouraged, equipped, empowered, and unstoppable. I believe it doesn't have to be hard to be right.
1: Welcome to episode 41 of Avant-Garde Entrepreneur. I am so glad you're here today with me, my friend. Today, it's just you and me. I'm taking some airtime to share about a recent experience I've had and a few of the things that I've learned from it. We've talked quite a bit this year on the podcast about business continuity and succession planning. It's an incredibly important topic. In episode 28, John Guywitz, a business advisor, talked about the importance of beginning with the end in mind when it comes to your business. Running your business as if you're going to sell it one day, whether you plan to or not. This increases its value, which enables you to increase your impact. In episode 38, Joseph Pierre talked about his experience selling his business across Fit Gym in Jordan and the value of having systems in place for a smooth transition, and also about how much quickly, more quickly it happened than he ever anticipated. And in episode 39, Dr. Jim King shared that the number one trend and change in trajectory for impact businesses, whether you consider yourself a social entrepreneur, missional entrepreneur... Impact, faith-driven, whatever you want to call yourself, but the number one change in trajectory is that impact businesses are now being viewed as investment opportunities. All these episodes, plus several others from the year, point to the importance of and tips for getting your business running at maximum efficiency. Part of what makes you unique is your dedication to your social mission, the people part of your business, whether that's your staff, the community outreach programs you have, or your customers. And it's so easy for the social mission aspect of your business to really consume you, which invariably takes away from your ability to run your business as well as you might like. And you really are forced to compromise sometimes. You're forced to compromise your time, your resources, and in some cases, you're forced to compromise your values. The love that you have for the people you serve, it's always what makes you think that you'll never retire, you'll never sell, or you'll never ever do anything than what you're doing right now. If there's one certainty in life, it's that life is uncertain. And having a strong, solid business enterprise makes for long-term viability, it helps you multiply your impact, and it offers options so that you can be prepared for the curveballs that life will throw your way sometimes. If you've been listening to the podcast, watching it on YouTube, you join joined me in my free masterclass, or are a member of Avant-Garde Entrepreneur Academy, you know that I am still in business, just like you Juggling multiple stakeholders and conflicting demands and somehow keeping it all together. I've recently taken my continuity and succession planning to a new level in one of my businesses. And today I'm going to share about my experience. You know, some of my friends have asked me, wow, what does it feel like? You know, what do I need to know? Let me start by saying that I had to be in the right frame of mind to share this with you. It's been a very high energy. Then very high fatigue process, then high energy, high fatigue. Sometimes I feel really clear, and sometimes my thoughts are a little bit muddled. And I think that, you know, maybe later after more time has passed, I might have a different perspective and more to add on. But for now, fresh off the merger of my company, here are my top five tips for you. Number one, start now. It takes longer than you think or plan for. Number two, have an intermediary. It makes it easier for you to be friends after the ink dries. Number three, dream it and let divine destiny take over. I promise you, you will get a better result than you could ever dream up on your own. Number four, be truthful and transparent. This helps ensure that you have a good cultural fit. And number five, let go. If you have the right alliance, let them do the thing. So these are straight out of my journal in the order that they came to me. So before I get into the detail about my tips, I'm going to give you a little bit of the backstory. So I've had my longest own company for 19 years. My business partner started it 10 years before, and I stepped in at a time when the industry was changing and, and he really needed help to take it to a new level. And we had always been each other's succession plan. The business was designed so that if something happened to one of us, the other would just be able to keep it going. So, after 30 years, my business partner was ready to kind of start stepping back and enjoy life a little bit more. And we knew that for me to continue to serve clients, I was going to need a succession plan and support. And I was also feeling that our clients were going to begin needing more. And at one time, I was the more. But after 19 years, I wasn't sure if I had another huge push in me to be the more in a whole new way. And I have a feeling you might know what I'm talking about. So for over a year, I looked for a trained administrative assistant. You know, we talk about the importance of knowing our gifts. I had trained so many people and I knew I didn't have it in me to train another person (laughs) So, I went to conferences and conventions to meet people. I went on message boards and I even asked one on one if anyone had an assistant with excess capacity. Nothing. It was as if one door closed after another. And then a window opened, something I absolutely positively did not expect. While there weren't any assistants with excess capacity, there were entire firms who wanted to grow by merger, and their administrative assistants did have excess capacity. So this is a huge undertaking, finding someone who we could trust and who had the capacity, who had the integrity and knowledge, and the same values to serve our clients. I mean, after a while, your clients are basically an extension of your family, and we wanted the best for them. So some, not all of the criteria that we considered in an alliance included, we wanted an advisor within the same network. We call it a broker-dealer. It's kind of the concept of maybe a real estate agency where you have a big, you have a name and then people have to have a place to put their licenses. So we wanted someone within the same broker-dealer network. We wanted someone who used the same investment managers we did. We wanted someone with a similar style and methodology, someone with the same tech that used the same tech package, the same um, technology services that we used. And most of all, we wanted someone with the same heart. So in short, we were really seeking an upgraded experience for our clients. We wanted them to have us, but better. And after a lot of due diligence, which I'll talk more about, conversations and Conversations with each other, and conversations with our our higher powers, we decided on the best partner for us and our clients long-term. At this point, we've introduced our clients to the new team, and we have integrated all of the processes and services, and it's allowed already for faster response times and quicker solutions to some of the more complex issues that have come up recently for clients. It's been more than I could have ever asked for or imagined. And I'm really excited to share the story sort of throughout this episode with you. And some of the clients, they listen to the podcast. So if you're one of them, you're going to get a little bit more of a behind the scenes from a business perspective of what the transition has been like. For the sake of streamlining the discussion, I'm going to use the terms buyer and seller, just because there are so many different words that we could use. So I'm going to use the term buyer to include whether it's an all-out buyer, a merger partner, or an alliance. And I'm going to use the term seller because that means you as the owner. So you either started it, you're the creator of it, you're the steward of it. So basically in all cases, there is some form of capital that's exchanged, whether it's money, shares, or interest. And you as the owner or creator will be with continuity and succession planning will be receiving something in exchange for your years of work, creativity, design, and your investment. Someone is buying all or maybe even just a small part of your organization or buying into it. So whether it's tangible or intangible, you are selling something and they are buying something. So while your situation will be different, you can take what I'm going to share and cross-reference it with your own perspective and your own situation. But I just want to share just kind of for the sake of time so I don't have to use the, the uh, <laughs> different words over and over again. I'm going to try to stick to buyer and seller even if it doesn't mean an all-out buy or an all-out sell. So I also want to be really careful and over I don't want to overstep in terms of advising you. What I'm sharing with you, I'm offering my perspective from my experience and I may add some color based on what I know some of your situations to be because I work a lot with, with you one on one, but this is no substitute for involving an expert, someone who's in mergers and acquisitions. I know that sounds like a big word, but it is mergers or acquisitions <laughs> or someone who's a business advisor. Because when you hear what I share, really my hope is that you'll be encouraged to go out and find someone sooner than later to help you get ready for this and to walk this process through with you. So whether you want to admit it or not, my friend, you cannot take your business with you from this life into whatever is beyond. And now some detail on my tips for you. Tip number one. Start now. It takes longer than you think. It took 19 years to build it, eight months to get the merger together, and a little over four months to transition operations. It has been a very lengthy and intensive process. I had this kind of a funny story. I had this Gantt chart that I built. You know, it's one of those things that you can create in Excel, and it's like a basically like a timeline of activities and people that are involved. And I created it for this process really so that I could kind of get my head wrapped around all the steps, all the operations and process that we were going to need to to combine. But also once I started to do this, it started to feel more real for me putting this this chart together. So, I mean, you know, I've been in build it mode for 19 years. And so the idea of combining forces and joining with another firm it was it was a lot to to think about so putting the chart together really helped but i'm not telling you that for that <laughs> i'm telling you for this so i you know is mapping out all the processes and and everything and the funny part is that my husband john as you know he was in episode 20 and i think 27 28 he's a business advisor mergers and acquisitions guy he looks at my chart that i was so proud of And he gently says, that's a little ambitious, baby, (laughs) but God's in it. So we'll see. So that was kind of his way of saying, you're crazy. It is, there's no way it's going to happen that fast. I'm not going to get into a lot of detail, but the broad steps include, first of all, you have to have a valuation of your business. Second, you have to have, there's due diligence on the firms who are potential buyers or merger partners. And that due diligence invo- involves not only financial, but also cultural. And this, that part could definitely be its own episode. Once you've decided on a merger partner, then there is proof of the valuation for your business, of your business to the lenders. Then there's more proof of your valuation because lenders need more documents. Attorneys go back and forth with the language between the contracts to make sure that they are aligned with both parties. And then there's a closing process, which involves both parties, the, you know, I'll call just in general, the buyers, the sellers, the merger partners, the lenders, the attorneys, the accounting professionals. And then there are also um, these silent forces. And we didn't have this in ours as much, but I know that they exist, where there might be someone else who's kind of in the background, whether it's a spouse or an adult child who maybe has a sort of interest in something going their way. So there may be some, those people that are kind of in the background saying things or sort of adjusting things in a way that things come up at the last minute. So just when you think you've got everything together, that you've given everything but blood, they ask you for something else. And this is not just for you as the person who I'll say is the, the seller or the one who is seeking the continuity of succession plan. It's also for the buyer, the one who is coming into your organization. So you get grilled more on the front end and they get grilled more on the back end. So this is why it's important to get your evaluation of your business done now so that you have a baseline and getting started with your continuity, succession, backup plan, whatever you want to call it. It makes it so much easier and there's perhaps even a more compelling reason to get your valuation done now and that is to be ready before the grace is gone. When I talk about grace, what I mean is this anointing, this special gift to do what we're called to do and to be who we're called to be for a finite period of time. It's not forever. It's finite. It will finish. And the anointing that you have to do this thing that you're doing will not last forever. The grace will be gone one day, and you must be prepared for that. And I'm speaking directly to many of you who have a leadership role outside of your business. It may be intertwined with your business, but it's technically outside of it. So if you're a leader, whether official or unofficial, in your temple, mosque, synagogue, church, hall, community center, whatever it is, there are people who depend on you and lean on you. And the ones who pay the price for that, for stretching you too far and giving too much are first you in terms of your health and second, your family in terms of relationship with you. You want to have a plan in place before you literally and figuratively run out of steam. And I will tell you, I was at a point where the grace was gone in certain aspects of my business. It was if my spirit had just drawn this line in the sand and said, no more, we will not tolerate this behavior. We will not receive this pattern. (laughs) We will not support this habit. And then there are other areas where saying no more was simply not an option. So when it comes to clients, for example, in my case, I have a fiduciary responsibility. And there's, you know, that's kind of a technical term, but we all have, as business owners, we have a duty, it's called the duty of care. There are some things that we simply cannot walk away from unless there's someone to fill the space and take on your role. My friend, when you have an option, when you have a backup plan, You will no longer feel trapped when you get squeezed and things feel really tight. You want to make sure you have something left of yourself. It takes longer than you think. So start now. Start planning now. Number two, tip number two, have an intermediary. It makes it easier for you to be friends after the ink dries. You will want to be friends with your buyers, your merger partners afterward, period. There are a lot of reasons for this. First of all, they are stewards of carrying on what you started. Second, they will be caring for the people you love and care for, whether that's your clients, your customers, your staff, or even your suppliers. My friend Kathleen, um, she's a coach, and she says, I'm going to get this phrase wrong, but she says something to the effect of, You can't touch a life so little that you don't leave a mark. You can't be in business and not have an impact on others, nor be impacted by them. So the people that you carry on your business are going to be an extension of you. So while they may not do things exactly the same way, which we'll get into a little more later, you do want to have a favorable relationship with them. So having a go-between when it comes to the negotiation makes a colossal difference in facilitating a friendship when the deal is done. When I say a go-between, I mean a qualified business intermediary, business advisor, specialist. And I've never read this in a book, but I can tell you that there is extremely high value in being friends after the ink dries. And I have no idea if it's written or spoken anywhere else, but As a feeling person, and I'm an introvert, I prefer to be alone, but I care deeply and I feel deeply for clients because they're like my family, and I realize the value of a long-term relationship. There's also a good chance that, like in my case, you're going to be involved with the business and the clients to an extent for a very long time. Your role might change, but you're still involved, and that cohesion between you and the new team is still very important. An intermediary knows what to share and when to share it. There are certain things that should only be shared, especially once legal documents are in place. They know what to ask and when to ask, when to push to keep things moving, but not to push so hard that it falls apart. They know the pitfalls. They know the lenders. They know who will close the deal versus who will give what they call a slow no. They also know the mentality of both the buyers and the sellers. They know the signs of when someone, you know, might say yes a little too much. And then in the end, they might in the last minute do something that's unexpected and hoping that the other party is just so worn down that they'll agree to it. And another thing is that there's so much more to negotiate than price. The price is only one part of it. There are roles to determine, parameters, time for a merger, financing nuances, the list goes on and on. And having someone to field those questions and responses, especially if it's a touchy or sensitive topic, this allows both parties to kind of cool off or even maybe take their frustration out on the intermediary because they're okay with being the bad guy and then determine how to proceed. And the intermediary can also do what they're best at. They can reframe a situation. They can present it in a new light and they can offer more favorable long-term implications that might not be obvious in the now that keeps a deal together that might otherwise fall apart. So in short, having an intermediary who's not afraid to be the bad guy makes it easier for you to be friends with your buyers, your merger partner, or your alliance after the ink. Tries. This episode is brought to you by Avant-Garde Entrepreneur Foundations, where you can go from contemplation to clarity in just six weeks. How incredible does that sound? By learning to tap into the superpower of your spirit, you'll feel refreshed in your mind, certain of your mission, and inspired in your business. Go to com forward slash AGEF dash waitlist for more details. You can also find the link here in the show notes. Tip number three, dream it and let divine destiny take over. I promise you will get a better result than you can dream up on your own. I wrote out the most ideal situation that I could imagine when it came to an alliance. That's what I was calling it in my mind at the time or on paper. I wrote out the qualities of the people. I wrote out the capabilities of the firm, what I would and would not do for them down to the hours of the week that I would be available. (laughs) I wrote out what the transition looked like. I wrote out what I could and could not give up. And when I got this all out, I really felt like I was dreaming, like there was no way that what I dreamed up could turn out in reality. I basically created this unicorn and I was expecting my higher power to deliver it to my doorstep. And we talk about a unicorn. I don't know how universal that is, but a unicorn is like uh, if you see pictures of a unicorn, it's an imaginary figure that's like a, a really cute pony with like a horn on the top. And I don't know how it came to be, but we call it a unicorn for something that basically doesn't exist. Well, my higher power Did something even better. He basically delivered two unicorns and a chariot full of helpers. One of the unicorns he brought right to my table at a convention. So you guys know, I'm not into the big groups and the conferences. I literally, when I go to events, I literally pray that my spirit will bring me the people that I need to talk to, that I'm supposed to meet. And I mean to me, like because the noise and the chaos, which you know is really exciting for other people, is exhausting to me. So if I'm walking through a room, I will be walking, not going up to people making idle chit chat. I expect someone to literally bump into me or intentionally speak to me. Otherwise I am fine to entertain myself. So I'm at this event. There are thousands of people milling around between workshops, the main events and the dining area. And I'm sitting at this table in this giant ballroom. This is the designated dining area at one of those tables. You know, it fits like eight to 10 people in the middle of the room, not even on the edge. And somehow my friend Craig, who owns the big agency that we're a part of, found me. Meanwhile, all the other thousands of people at this event, they want to talk to him. And Craig says, stay right there. I've got someone I want you to meet. And Craig is someone, you know, he knew that we were looking for a merger partner. And he brings this guy named Scott directly to my table. Now, Scott has a funny accent, but he's a really nice guy. And my first thought was, I don't know if clients can get past that, his funny accent. And because people from the southern United States are kind of particular about that, And people from other parts of the country usually think that Southerners are dumb or slow because of our accents. So really, we're the ones that have the accents. (laughs) But, you know, he's a really nice guy. But is he just being on his best behavior? Is he trying to make a good impression? You know, we'll see. And we did. Wow. Class act. Indeed, Scott was the unicorn that I expected My spirit to deliver to me. And Scott has a partner named Ryan who does not have a funny accent because he is from the South, unicorn number two. And the chariot of helpers that I refer to is their team of five client relationship managers, five people who carry out all the administration, the administrative and operational duties that I was taking care of myself. We have Wilma, Leah, Amanda, and Hannah. Who all have between 14 and 40 plus years of experience. And Gus, the newest, is also an advisor and he's set to carry the firm along decades ahead. So the advisors are now staggered in age to care for multiple generations of families. Plus, they have incredible capability, they have capacity for growth and technical know how. So if you look at my paper sheet of dreams, in terms of an alliance that's you know what i called it at the time all the way down to the detail of co-branding that i had this vision for you'll see that divine destiny swooped in and took over and just delivered something exponentially better than i could have ever asked for imagined so dream it and let divine destiny take over i promise you will get a better result than you can dream up on your own Tip number four, be truthful and transparent. This helps ensure a good cultural fit. One of the things that didn't make it on my journal during my initial reflection was the value of a good cultural fit, which cannot be understated, must say it here. But what did make it on my list was the value of being truthful and transparent. And as I think about that, I see that the fruits of truthfulness and transparency is the good cultural fit that's required for a successful transition. Two caveats. Truthfulness and transparency, this is a two-way street, especially in a merger like ours. So the other party has to be truthful and transparent as well if it's going to work. Second, it should only be done, the truthfulness and transparency should only be done after certain legal documents regarding confidentiality are in place. Which your business advisor or your specialist can guide you on. There are certain things that you do not say before people are bound by confidentiality. Now I know that truth and transparency have different connotations among different cultures. And the way I share about them might not be practical or even possible for some, depending on, you know, your cultural upbringing and your societal values. So focus on this whenever possible. Say what you're good at and what you're not. Be able to answer these questions, even if it's just for yourself. What is the future I see for my clients or my customers? What is it that I feel like they're going to be needing next? If I had unlimited resources, people, and money, what would I put in place for my customers? How would I add more value for customers? Are there additional revenue streams in my business that are possible? It's important to understand that for your buyer, what you may see as a weakness may be a virtue because it's a place where they can come in, make a few adjustments, and immediately add to the bottom line in terms of profitability or impact. For example, let's say your equipment is old. How many people have old equipment? Yep, I see you raising your hand. <laughs> Don't go out and buy new equipment unless you consult with your business advisor and they suggest you do. Likely a buyer or merger partner, they have the equipment or access to it, possibly at low interest loans if, if interest is acceptable in your culture. I know it's not in some. But Let's say they have access to loans, or maybe it can be wrapped up somehow in the deal. There are millions of ways to get these things done, and there are millions of ways which your old equipment could be a very high value to a buyer. So going through the expense and hassle of new equipment will not only drain you, but it may also reduce the appeal of your business. Another example, inventory management. Let's say you have an antiquated inventory management system, or you don't have one at all. I know a lot of people don't have one at all, and that's okay. And you think, no one's going to buy this business. No one's going to want to merge with me. This is a mess. Well, why is it a mess? Well, it's because you don't have the time to do the research to find the best one. You don't necessarily have the money to invest in it. And you don't have the risk threshold for an experiment. What if something goes wrong? So what if there's someone out there who does have a great inventory management system? They've got all the bugs worked out, the kinks worked out, they have the excess capacity in their staff and they're looking to grow by a longer-term acquisition or merger. They could simply possibly buy a new license, install the software in your computer system, voila. You check two colossal tasks off your list. You have a proven inventory management system and you have a succession plan. So these are just two examples but they are in, you know, they might sound a little outrageous, but they might also hit very close to home for you. But this is part of why transparency is so valuable. Your weakness could become your biggest selling point. It's also another big hint to working with a business advisor who can help you see opportunities that might seem right now to you like dead ends. So when it comes to asking questions, I'm accustomed to asking a lot of them and I rarely speak unless someone asks me a direct question. Learned that a long time ago and that's always worked for me. So I asked myself a lot of the questions up front and most of them came from asking myself the questions that I shared with you earlier. So in my case, I could see that things in our industry were getting more and more complicated. The state and tax laws are changing and clients were gonna need more sophisticated financial planning than what we had the current capacity for. It wasn't that I couldn't do it or learn it it was a function of the people and resources and you know door after door had closed when it had come to finding an administrative person to kind of fill the gap and i could do this really well for a few people but not for everyone and my concern wasn't what was i missing now it's what do i not know that i'll need to know and will i have the capacity and the grace to learn it and implement it then so it's not about now it's about later. So my honest conversation with myself and my truthfulness and transparency with Scott and Ryan is what made our merger incredibly attracted to them because that's what they excelled at. They excelled at this really sophisticated financial planning. Nothing was broken with their business model. They could simply overlay theirs on top of ours. And they had the human and financial resources to give our clients exactly what they need, even if the clients themselves had no idea that they needed it yet. And also when you share your heart for your people, it really helps potential uh, team members because that's who you're talking to. If you're talking to a, a merger partner, alliance, or buyer, they're potential team members. If you share your heart with them, then they understand you. They understand how you relate to your clients. They understand your clients. And they can help envision a unique role for you in the future that you might not see for yourself. I say this all the time. The answers to your challenges are rarely in a book. The answers are in you. So many things that I've done, there was no playbook for. I just figured it out and I made my own path. And my guess is you do too. So just because you don't necessarily see a role for yourself Does not mean someone else who is sort of a few degrees removed from the situation might not see something new. So this is why truthfulness and transparency went out over secrecy and deceit. Truthfulness and transparency at the right time ensure that you have a good cultural fit that serves not only this generation, but the next. And tip number five, let go. If you have the right people in place, let them do the thing. If you have chosen the right people, the right partners, business, and team, then you must let go and let them do their thing. It's leadership 101. Do not give someone a job and then take it away from them, whether it's an employee or a partner who is part of your succession plan. They will do things differently and possibly better. In fact, probably better. Why? because they are called to it. They are anointed for this time. They have this fresh dose of grace. This is their gift and you can still be involved. You may still run the show. That depends on the arrangement that you and the buyers make, or you may have a different role. Some of the biggest international brands were formed because of mergers, because you had two very independent, strong-willed business owners who just had enough of a check in their spirit to know that they couldn't get to where they needed to go by themselves. And so they merged. Personally, I am loving my new role. I get to do all the fun stuff with clients without the paperwork. <laughs> I get to meet clients for coffee. I get to walk and talk on the phone for an hour if I want to because I don't have other calls coming in. I get to go to lunch and talk to them about everything except the financial part of their lives. I get to talk about kids and grandkids kids and, and hobbies and cars and all the fun stuff. And I'm going to give you an example of one of the things my new team does differently. And the reason I'm going to give you this example is because if you listen to it, you would think that it may sound like a judgment, but it is quite the opposite. So, in the summer months between Memorial Day and Labor Day, which Memorial Day is in May in the U.S. and Labor, it's like the last weekend of uh, usually the second to last weekend of May, and Labor Day, which is usually the first Monday of September, most of the five client relationship managers. They are off work on Fridays. They do check their emails to take care of urgent requests, but if it's not urgent, then they take care of it on Monday. Scott and Ryan do work on Fridays, but not the administrative staff, and it's not all year. It's just in the summertime. Now, our clients are accustomed to me responding right away. There were times when I was so far behind, I had a six-week backlog of non-urgent client requests, but I responded. Not on weekends, but certainly Monday to Friday. So, for a client to not hear from someone, if they send a request on Thursday to Monday, that's five days. That's the same as Monday to Friday. That's a long time. But I ask myself, who has reached for the lifeline? Who was the one who was losing grace, them or me? The answer is me. Most of the team. Most of my two new team members have been at this for between 14 and 45 years, and they are still in it, still in their role, still taking exceptional care of clients. I am the one who's seeking help after 19 years, 18, when we started the process. So what is the value of that longevity? What is the value of slowing the pace so that you can stay at it longer? In the past, when I had a team, it was very good for me as a leader when they were off because I wasn't worried about them and I could focus on working more on the business versus in in it. And I can see that benefit for Scott and Ryan now. And I can see that benefit for you too. But what is the price I've paid personally by being so responsive? Is my way the best way? Maybe it was for a season, but certainly not forever. So as a leader, I challenge you to ask yourself, the same question. Is your way the best way? If your immediate answer is yes, are you certain? Are you sure? How long can you keep up this pace? Is it possible there's someone qualified to eventually take the torch from you and run with it to the next generation? You know, it may not be someone from your own town, or your, even your country with our digitally connected continents, is it possible that there's someone out there on the planet that's for you? So my friend, seek and find. And when you find them, let go. They will likely do the thing better than you. So here's a summary of my top five tips. Number one, start now. It takes longer than you think or plan for. Number two, have an intermediary. It makes it easier for you to be friends when the ink dries. Number three, dream it and let divine destiny take over. I promise it will be better than you can ask for or dream up on your own. Number four, be truthful and transparent. This helps ensure that you have a good cultural fit. And number five, let go. If you have the right alliance, let them do the thing. my friend, I hope this episode encourages you, even if you feel like you'll run your impact, missional, social, faith-driven enterprise forever, I can promise you this. You cannot take your business or your to-do list with you when you take your last breath. Do yourself, your team, your customers, and your suppliers a favor. Invest in the future of your company beyond yourself. Get your continuity plan in place. And no, you will not know how to do each step, but have you ever? Don't we all sometimes just figure things out as we go? And the best part is there's an army of people just an email or a LinkedIn message away who are more than happy and honored to help you once you're willing to help yourself and your business.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Avant-Garde Entrepreneur. I hope you feel encouraged, equipped, empowered, and unstoppable. If you enjoyed what you heard, share it with a friend. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review it here on your podcast player. Questions, comments, or feedback? Connect with me directly at trishabaileyphd.com or on social at trishabayleyphd. Now, you go and get back to making the world a better place. I'll see you back here soon.